All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. You may return to your seats. You may return to your seats. Pop quiz. We got a pop quiz. If you don't get the answer right, you will be kicked out of the church. Who has a January birthday? Oh, Lord. January, there we go. There we go. Everything good comes in threes. Y'all just remember that. Everything good comes in threes. How y'all doing this evening? Y'all doing good? Come on, give it up for Jesus, man. You here in the house of the Lord today. You alive. You awake. Jesus is doing new things. He is constantly moving. You're breathing. You can see. You can talk. You're drinking on some good coffee. You're not in the club depressed. You in the house of the Lord. Give it up. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up. You're not here by accident. You're not here just with your friend or with your significant other to sit here and just hear a little short black dude talk about a mysterious dude. This is Jesus that we're talking about. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, we have allowed the enemy to pervert a lot of things. And it's kind of sad because everything comes from Jesus. So that means that it's good. Anything that he makes is good. We humans have perverted the move. We always ask each other, what's the move tonight? What are we doing? What are we getting into? Where are we going? Where's the turn up? What's the move? And our, our answer may be the club. It may be, oh, I'm going to go down the hall and, you know, hook up with dude in 220. Or I'm going hey, to, let's be real. Come on, we're going to be real tonight? We're going to be real? All right. I thought we was in the house of the Lord. We ain't going to lie. We're here now. But the move, what, what is the move of God? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to start off in Romans 12. But I'm going to give you all some foundation before we dive into the scripture. In Romans 11, Paul was basically teaching the Gentiles the good news. And he was teaching them the good news because he was teaching them that Israel had disobeyed and why they should be so happy, why they should be so gracious, why should they be so thankful that the Lord married them and accepted them. Because of their disobedience, we now can walk in authority. We now get to walk in that place that Israel just turned away from. So this was in Romans 11. If you want to turn to Romans 12, we're going to break it down. Verse 1, sorry. And when you get there, say amen. amen. All right now, all right now. I ain't hear too many amens. We, we missing some Bibles in here. Y'all need a Bible? Then give up a heart for the house so we'll get y'all a Bible. All right now. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. We're just going to pause right there. In view of the mercies of God. If you are not in Jesus Christ. If you are not following and obeying his commands, I'm sorry you are not in the view of his mercies. Let's just be real. You are not a citizen of the kingdom if you are not obeying what Jesus is telling us to do. Let's continue. I urge you 
to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. As a what kind of sacrifice? Living, living sacrifice. Some of y'all not talking, and I know y'all not dead. As a what? Living. There we go. Holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And right after this, this is, oh, this is so good. This is your true worship. Worship is not your own. It's his. I don't have my personal worship with my set list on Spotify. I don't get to be doing whatever I want to do. It's not comfortable. I have to present myself. That means I have to bring myself into his presence. That I'm, I have to invite him into my life as a living sacrifice. Holy. What does holy mean? Separate. I can't conform into this world. We're going to dive into that a little bit later. I cannot look like everything that's around me. I can't. And pleasing to God. This is how we worship our Lord. Continuing on, it says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I came to Christ and I just thought that I could come to him and be the same person, that Jesus would just accept me for who I am and and not want to do anything. He's just happy that I'm here. Wrong. (laughs) Completely wrong. Jesus has done a whole metamorphosis, as he said, work within my life. I am a completely different person if you met me in the past. I'm a completely different person if you met me yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, I, if you were there, I was slapping on the table. I was, I was acting a fool. I was acting a fool in a good way. We was, we was just having clean fun, clean fun. But today, I was soaking in the presence of the Lord at 8 a.m., at 11 a.m., leaving here, having in, in community, and then now, like, I'm not the same because his mercies are new each and every day. I'm not the same today. I had to change my mind because what was in yesterday, I couldn't hold on to. I can't hold on to that. That's an old experience that's dead, just like the manna with the Israelites. They could not eat what was old because it spoiled. Continuing on, it says, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For the past months or so, we've been breaking down those if-then statements. This is kind of that, that investment. I'm going to dive back into a couple series ago in the Entrepreneur Series. Transforming your mind every day is investing yourself in Christ. Christ made an investment to you when he sacrificed himself. He did not know if you were going to say yes to him, but he did it anyway. Now, with us renewing our minds each and every day, as we truly worship him, in, like it says in Romans 12, this is where we get our benefits. So that you, who? You. Who? You. So that you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of God. This is for us. God's not going to do something that is just for him. He's he's a selfish God because he wants the best for you, but he's not a selfish God because he's not going to hold on to things. He's going to give you good things, things to prosper you. 
So what is the move? I'm so glad somebody asked. Good question, Pastor Alicia. I'm glad you asked what the move is. Is it sporadic? Is it spontaneous? Is it the million-dollar question that we've been searching for and we can never find? Wrong answer, Terrence. I'm sorry. Matthew 28. If everybody turns to Matthew 28, the answer is here. And if you didn't know any other questions that you have, you can find it in the living word of God. Just try it out. It's pretty good. You know, it's, it, it solved a few problems for me or so. Matthew 28 and verse 18, and this is in the amplified version. So y'all brace yourselves. And it says, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. What does that mean? That means you help people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Kind of sounds like that little acronym that we've been talking about, that that troll, that T-R-O, trust, rely, obey. Learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Then, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mata, you got kids, right? And you're, and you're a son, right? So, do your parents call you father? They don't. They don't. Mm, dang. Okay. Bobby, you got a dad, right? You got a name, too, right? If you were in trouble, did, would, would he say son or would he say Bobby? Uh, definitely son. Dang, Bobby. That wasn't the answer I was looking for, Bobby. <laughs> that wasn't the answer I was looking for. <laughs> there we go. He would call you by your full name. That's your name, right? Your name's not son, right? No. Your name's not father, right? What's your name? Monty. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You don't get baptized in a title. You don't get baptized in another title. And you don't get baptized in his identity. You get baptized in the name of Jesus. That's where the power resides. I lost my spot. I'm sorry. Oh, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Teaching them to observe. What does it mean to observe? What does it mean to observe? To watch, yes. To look at, yes. To learn, yes. But it means to obey. When you observe something, you're not just just looking at it. We got some biology students in here, I know. Shout out to y'all, y'all. Y'all keep pushing. I know, I, know they, I know they're putting it on y'all, but keep pushing. But when you observe something, when you study something, you're not just looking at it and, and leaving. No, you're, you're looking at the details of it. You're, you're trying to get into the nuances. You're trying to really understand and engulf everything that is of the essence of whatever you're observing. You're really invested into it. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to observe him. He doesn't want us to just, oh, Matthew 28. Oh, he came out of a new tomb. Good job, Jesus. You did a great job. And go about my day. Because in James it says, man, don't be like that person that 
reads the word and then forgets what he looks like because then you'll be like the rest of the world. You got to transform and renew your mind. So he says, teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am always with you, remaining with you perpetually. Perpetually mean never ending or changing. God has never left you. In the middle of hell, even when you have made that decision, he never left you. It may have not felt the best. It may have not looked the best, but he has never left you. Had to throw that in there for somebody. Regardless of the circumstance, see, it's in the word. It's not just me. You said it. And on every occasion, even to the end of age. Now, the only way to know the move or, in other words, the will of God is to know the word of God. So the will of God is, if you turn to Luke 19, you will find the answer. Luke 19 and 9 says, today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he, he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Now, I know I just jumped right in the middle of scripture and I definitely don't want to manipulate it or not really give any foundation, but we are right here in the middle of a passage where Jesus is walking along this path and a little short guy like me named Zacchaeus, I think I said his name right, he heard about this man and he climbed up in a tree trying to see him and Jesus pointed to him, he was like, Nah, we're coming to your house. And the reason I give this foundation is because he was a, he wasn't a tax collector, but he was over all the tax collectors. So in essence, he was one of the worst people that the Jews would identify as. Like tax collectors were castaways, they were throwaways, nobody wanted to be dealt with them. Nobody wanted to identify with them. They were just scum, like the worst people. So what does this mean to you? If Jesus is willing to go to someone who is over, who orchestrates the worst ordeal in their society, And he tells them, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. Life so that You can prosper. Life so that you can be the move of God. This is something that he's been pulling me to become active in. A few months back, we had one of our overseers, Pastor Luke, come and talk about a call to action. How this church was called to action. And I didn't know how that applied to me. I knew it applied to me because I'm planted in this house. But how does this necessarily apply to me what does that look like sorry 
And Jesus just basically told me, just live out what you read. You can sit here and read the scriptures all day, but if you don't go out and share that love, if you don't go out and give that word that I place on your heart, then it's going to spoil. You're no better than the Gentiles who would read their scriptures every day, putting on the garments and trying to look good, but not actually going out and doing the dirty work that I ask you to do, picking up your cross, sharing the good news, sharing the love, talking to those who, who really need me, not me, but Jesus. The call to action is within you. It's not complicated. It's not ethereal. It's not confusing. Seek and save the lost. Your testimony will set others free. You went through it for, for a reason. He's carried you through so that you can carry other th- others through. We're all leaders. No one is beneath, no one is less than. So how do we become the move? In Acts 2, 2 and 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent. Change your old way of thinking. That's what repenting means. Turn from your sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah. And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be the move. We cannot be active if we are missing the key to understanding why we should be active. We need his Holy Spirit. We need the strength. We need the understanding to be able to help others walk this walk. We can't do it on our own strength. Because we will get weary in well-doing. So we need to get connected to that well, connected to that source, that everlasting source that never runs dry. There's going to be periods in your life where you want to give up. There's going to be periods of life where you want to throw the towel in, where you might want to cuss everybody out, where you might want to just sit in the corner by yourself and do nothing. But this is why we get planted in community. This is why we get baptized with his Holy Spirit. And this is why we repent every day. It's necessary for you to align yourself with him, to repent. Because everything that he's asking us to do is completely countercultural to this world being the move being the new move this movement that people have been praying for for so long 
is resting on the inside of each and every individual in this room. It's resting on the inside of your family members. But what are we going to do to activate it? What are we going to do? Are we going to sit and continue to, to read just for our own knowledge, for our own gain? Or are we truly going to get to know Jesus so that we can push one another in Christ? So that we can take each other to a place that Jesus wants to take us to. Be active in his mission. Live a life of repentance and share the good news. Three very simple steps, but so impactful. So, so, so impactful. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes because you might be in a situation where, let's be honest, like, people might be bagging on you. People might not be your best friend. People may not even want to support you. It might even be your family members. But by transforming your mind, not conforming to the world, not reacting, but responding, Jesus these people getting on my nerves. Jesus, they lying on me. I didn't do it. I didn't say it. How do you want me to respond? And in that very moment, being still, waiting for his spirit to move through you, he will order your steps. It's time that we accept the gift and become the move. His Holy Spirit is not, it's not far off. It's not, it didn't end when this book was finished being written. It's not something that he wants you to wait for. It's a gift. Anybody like Christmas? Oh, I have half y'all lying. Ain't nobody hand went up. I know y'all like gifts. But this gift, it comes without repentance. This gift is everlasting, sustaining. This gift empowers you to live a repentant life. Empowers you to live not for yourself, but for Jesus. For those who need Jesus. Repent. Be baptized in water and spirit. And walk in his authority. What does that mean? Repent. Surrender your will to Jesus. Be baptized in water and the spirit. Surrender your identity to Jesus. And lastly, walk in his authority. Surrender your strength to Jesus and walk in the power that is given to you. This walk is not complicated. It's not 
hard. It shouldn't be hard because he said it. He said, my yoke is easy. Follow me. If you follow me, if you do this, then these promises will be given to you. We make it hard because we want to fight. We're humans. We're fleshly. We like a good fight. We like a good struggle. Because a good struggle makes a good Instagram post. I came out the, out the slums. Knowing good and well you're from Metairie. And hey, I'm just saying, Metairie, ain't, ain't nothing tough about Metairie. I'm sorry. <laughs> tough streets of Metairie. But we love a good, we love a good struggle story because it sounds good. It makes us feel good because we overcame something. I did that. I put in the work. Build me up. Yeah, you know. You see it. I did it. And it gives us a, a sense of pride that we get to hold on. The trophy that we get to hold up at the end of the day. But a scripture that was just placed on my heart after this past weekend was Matthew 6, and he's talking about not storing up your treasures here on this earth because it will all pass away. It's all gone. Your flesh gone, the lights gone, your car gone. Don't even, don't even think about what you're trying to hold on to. It's all, it's gone. So don't store your treasures up there, but store them in heaven. Only way that you can find the value of a treasure in heaven, because you can't even see it, is if you have a spirit. Your mind is changed. Your thoughts and your desires are changed. If I didn't have a good understanding of Jesus, I would value this iPad much more than the words that are on this iPad. The words aren't here in the, in the Bible, just, just saying. I would value that device way more than this book. I would, because I, I would just say, oh, man, I can... Do my homework on here. I can send emails. I can. There's so much more to the physical eye that I can do with this iPad than I can do with a book. But when you renew your mind, when you understand that the things of this world will never sustain you, the things of this world are not built on a solid foundation. They're gravel, as we learn today. You learn that, I don't need that. This is all I need. Jesus, I need you to speak into me every day. Because your word, your presence, you mean more to me than anything. When we get to that point, 
that's when Jesus can place that, that burden. He can place that, that, that desire for the hurting and the lost. He's not going to entrust anything to you if you're not intimate with him. If I'm not close to you, how would I know what's going on in your situation? Jesus has a heart for every individual in here and every, everyone, everything he created. He has a heart for it. So if I'm not connected to him, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't, I can't feel what you're going through. I have no empathy for that. I, there's no connection. There's a disconnect. So in order for us to have that empathy, in order for us to be the move of God according to his will, we have to constantly, every day, renew our minds and repent. Everyone bow your heads. Jesus. We no longer want to show, we no longer want the life that does not gratify or glorify you. Whatever pleases you, that is what we desire. Your will for our life, not ours. We pray that you reveal to us the distractions, our heart posture, everything that will take us out and away from your presence. Search me, oh God. Search me. I want a clean heart. I want to have clean hands. I want to be able to be the move and not wait, not be stoic, not be detached from what you are trying to do in my life. It may not be comfortable. And it may not be exactly what I want. It may not look how I want it to look. But Jesus, I know that you do everything. Everything with good intentions. You do everything with me in mind. And you most definitely do it so that we may endure the race, so that we may get to the finish line and sing praises to your name. Jesus, we just ask that you continue to pull on the hearts and continue to Move all the trash that may be in our way of getting closer to you.
Continue to do a new thing, O oh Lord. Draw us near and baptize us with your Holy Spirit.